Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast, a division of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Someone sounds like they're coming on the train! <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Paul Bissonette. Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jake Jude. I don't care. Offer me 10 firsts. If you're not giving me Leon Dreisaitl, you don't get Saros. Marcus Keller. Is Brock Besser <laughs> going to score four goals every game? Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> and Alex Smith. Third star of the week goes to Pistachios for how stupidly expensive they are. Steve Dangle here. I love the Vancouver Boys. It's the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Woo! <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. I will be your host this week, Marcus Keller, joined, as always, by my fantastic co-host, Alex Smith. What is up? Not too much. Not too much, I'm excited. I'm excited this week. Yeah, me me too. This is going to be a very interesting episode. Now, we're doing things a little bit different this week. We are recording this on Thursday instead of our usual Wednesday because Alex was at the Vancouver versus New York Islanders game on Wednesday. We're recording today so he can be with us. Jake, who you may have noticed is missing, will join us in the second half, and I say that so confidently because we recorded the second half yesterday. So everything you'll hear me and Jake say in the second half was already done a while ago. Me and Alex are recording on Thursday night, and we're going to be recapping the crazy week that the Canucks and Bo Horvat had. This was also after the Calgary game that was... Today. Yes, that's yeah, right. The, that Calgary, the Calgary game just ended. The Canucks lost. Uh, was it 5-2 was the final score, I think? Oh, uh, yeah. They got an empty netter, so I think it was 5-2. Y- yeah. Yeah, they that lost. feels right. They yeah, lost. they lost to the Calgary Flames. And, and we'll get into all that. Yeah. But first, we're going to jump into everybody's favorite segment, which is the AWSBB. Yeah. <laughs> the AWSBB. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. Last week, not a good week again. <laughs> you lost the battle again? We went 0 for 2. Ooh. Uh, we still got the one win in the NFL with the Cardinals winning. Okay. Uh, but still don't have an NHL win and only one NBA win. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not doing too hot. Uh, but this week, we're going we're gonna to hope for some winners again. Okay. Uh, we're going to go for the Canucks this Saturday playing against the Kraken. That seems like an easy win. For, for the Canucks. For the Canucks, yes. yes. Okay. Uh, then in the NBA, this Saturday, the Mavericks play the Milwaukee Bucks. And we're going to take the Milwaukee Bucks. And then this Sunday, we're taking an underdog. Sunday night NFL football, the Vikings versus the Broncos. The Vikings are the underdogs, and we're going to take the Vikings. They've been on a little bit of a heater, so hopefully we go 3-0 and for the first time in the that AWSBB. Nice. Didn't you... 
Oh, no, that was just the underdog golfer you bet on. I think that was just, you went one for one, but then we didn't air the episode. Right? Yeah, I finally hit my golf pick, and that episode did not get aired. Yeah. So. I mean, it was a very bad episode. Yeah, I know it was, but, <laughs> but uh, that, it's that's tough, tough. The whole season to go without yeah. a winner. Ah, just one of those things. One of the things that happens. Um, speaking of those things that happens, like the Calgary game, it just happened. I know it's probably the freshest thing in everyone's mind, but let's go over the important stuff first. <clears throat> Bo Horvat returns to Vancouver for the first time since being traded. A lot has happened since. The Islanders made the playoffs last year. The Canucks did not. Bo Horvat made some comments in an interview that Canucks fans did not like. And uh, this caused a lot of debate over the summer. Regardless of what you feel, because I'm, I'm done telling people what to feel. It's over. It's happened. Okay. You were at the game. I was. So I got to ask you, like, what, like, you before we get into, like, the actual details, you walk in the doors, you get in your seats. What's the atmosphere like? It was loud. It was the loudest crowd that I've seen in a really long time. Um we got there a little bit late because there was a, a little mix-up in the times. We thought the game started at 7.30. Turns out it didn't. Right. Uh, so we missed, like, the first, like, minute or so. Oh, okay, so not much. Yeah, no, not too, too much. Um, yeah, we walked in, and you could just, like, there was a vibe in the arena that, like, it was buzzing. Okay. But, yeah, we get to our seats. The crowd is loud. Everyone's cheering. And then all of a sudden, you hear booze. Oh. There were some booze in the arena. And I'm like, no. There's no way. And the, and Bo Horvat had the puck. Yeah, and they were booing him. It was was it, was it loud? It was it wasn't loud, but you could hear the some of the boos in the arena. Because when you texted me that, I was watching at home on TV. Yeah, the boos were not really coming through the TV very much. Yeah. Like you could kind of hear it, but like it wasn't strong at all. Like if I had to say a percentage, I would say maybe fifteen to twenty percent of the people in the arena were booing. Okay, so it like. It wasn't a lot, but, like, when, like, because I was expecting going into the game, there was going to be booze. So I was trying to hear yeah. if there was, and there was, but not a, not a whole lot, which is good. Right. And then what, what also made me think, like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go, is before the tribute video, which happened, like, halfway through the first period. Yeah. Well, I noticed Horvat and Pedersen went to face off against each other. Yeah. Horvat got waved out of the face off circle and everyone cheered really loud. Yeah. And I thought that was just really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that kind of made me like hesitant of like, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Here. It was, it was really risky. I think a lot of people were in the same boat of like, how, how is this going to go? Like it could go either really well or really bad. For sure. And I was on the fence until they ran the, uh, the thank you video, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So everyone who is listening to this by now has seen the videos or watched the game. Yeah, like I would They saw what so. happened on TV. Yeah. However, I have to say they didn't do a very good job of showing it on TV. They kind of Apparently were not. in, they were in a commercial break yeah. and then they cut into it like halfway through yeah. and they only showed Horvat a little bit, but they mostly showed the video. Yeah. So it was kind of hard to get a grasp on it. So like, again, from in the arena, what was it like? Like the video starts and what what's happening? Well, yeah, hopefully hopefully everybody listening follows us on Instagram because I was able to get my phone out just as they panned the uh, camera to Bo. And mm. it was a it was a water fountain over there. <laughs> he was he was tearing up a lot and uh, it was tough. Like I, there was I would not be surprised to say there was people probably in the arena that started tearing up. You think so? Eh? I think so. Just because like what you losers could... crying at a hockey game. 
Um, you could just tell like how much this city means to the guy. Like even yeah. in the warm-ups, like he yeah. was tearing up in the warm-ups, all the signs that were like, like the one kid, it was like, you got me into hockey. My parents named me after you. Yeah. Oh like, man. It's scary that there's like kids that are old enough to make signs that were named after Bo Horvath. Yeah. That kind of scares me. Well, I'm that makes me for, feel really old. I'm waiting for some kid to have a sign that goes, my parents named me after you. My name is Kuzmenko. <laughs> <laughs> bunch of andres running around <laughs> um but yeah like uh it was it was a very emotional video especially because like for me growing up like he was just as part of my canuck fandom as the sedines the sedines wow. did more yeah but like for my actual fandom and like really understanding the game of hockey was like just after Slash at the 2011 season, sort of. Yeah, and Horvat only came in a couple years after that. Yeah, and he was like, he was the next guy up. Yeah. They were grooming him into becoming the, uh, like, the protege. Yeah, he was going to be the next captain. Yeah. He was to take the reins yeah. from the Sedins. And to not take anything away from the Sedins. Like, way better uh, no, players I, and everything I, like I get that. it, because, like, Horvat came into the league like around when I was in early high school. So yeah. you were like almost in middle school. Yeah. And that's crazy because that's the age I was when the Canucks were in the finals. Exactly. So I totally get why you're kind of comparing them and saying, yeah, yeah they were like, they were both e equally involved in you becoming yeah. or like growing up as yeah, a Canucks as fan. As a Canucks fan. Yeah. They're yeah. both part of my life pretty equally. So yeah, like it was just, he was, he was very much crying. Like he, you could tell he really appreciated it. Yeah. I, uh, even he was, I like, uh, before the game, they asked him and he was like, I don't care. Like what the city did for me, the organization, like if there's booze, if there's not booze, like I just appreciate my time here. Yeah. And like you, he wore it on his face. Like he was very sure. emotional, very into it. And yeah, very, very touching to watch. Yeah. Was very happy to be at that game. Like I, I've never been shy about it. I've been a big fan of Horvat because yeah. even though I, I was a bit older than you were when he came in, he was still like marketed as like the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Right. Like he came in when the Canucks sucked. Like well, they were not He was good. supposed to be like, we traded Corey Schneider for him, who was yeah. this young, not young, but like very good goaltender. Yeah. A lot of people thought we should have traded Luongo. Exactly. Instead, so he it was, was like, older. it was a big thing. So he had a lot riding on him and it yeah. seemed like he was going to back it up with that trade. Yeah. And, I mean, for what he did in a Canucks uniform, obviously they didn't go anywhere too, too far. No, but, but he never a, had a team. Yeah, but like as a captain, as a NHL player, he was good. He Agreed. was probably the best player on that team for a lot of the years that he was here. Until Brock Besser got here, he was the best player. Like, well, okay, he here's the thing. Like, when Besser came into the league, he exploded, right? Like, yeah, right away, he yeah. was Calder favorite. He was a goal-scoring machine. Yeah. Like, he was very, very good. Horvat had only been here for about two or three years before that. Mm -hmm. So he was, like, maybe the Sedins were still better than him skill-wise, but the Sedins were going downhill, and Bo Horvat was going yeah. uphill. So you were kind of always really drawn to him, right? Yeah. But he he must have had some of the worst line mate luck Probably, I can think yeah. of. Like, I think he started out with, like, Lyndon Vey for a long time. He ended up with Sven Berchi forever. Uh, then Louis Erickson. Then Tanner P. It just felt like all the guys he was paired up with were just, like... We, we always used to joke about him 
me and my grandpa anyway, we called Bo Horvat Bo the babysitter. Because yeah. we said they any guy who's struggling, they just put him on a line with Because he could just kind of do whatever... Like no matter who he was playing with, they would he would be able to lift them. Yeah, but it limited him though. Yeah, it, I think anyway. So we I don't know when, but I f- we got to talk about the Shane O'Brien thing sometime. Yeah. So the, the you want to talk about it now? Yeah, we might. As yeah. Well. Okay. So Shane O'Brien, yeah, he had some comments in, in uh, Missing Curfew, the the show where mm-hmm. he said that he hoped that Bo Horvat got booed out of the yeah, arena. and those were actually older quotes like i know they got really oh, popular just now he said it like right after horvat had those comments like back last year oh in wow so yeah a long time ago yeah but oh, everyone okay. brought it back right now because he was finally about to come back yeah but yeah shane o'brien thought he should have gotten booed out of the arena and was talking about how how much he loved vancouver and how great yeah. of a building it was to play in but i think that's the big thing was a lot of people misunderstood what horvat was trying to say he wasn't taking shots at the fans, right? No, but before, like Shane O'Brien, I thought he was way out of line with all the stuff he said. I agree. He was going crazy about how Bo did nothing and like that was his fault. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think stupid. you can throw that on him. Like no. the, the, the organization didn't really give him a whole lot to work with. And then when the players that they did start to like be able to build around and, you know, like actual legitimate star players, he got traded off the team. Yeah, exactly. For his prime as a Canucks player, there wasn't a whole lot. The team was on the uh, decline. Yeah. So it, his comments, I thought, were a little ridiculous. But yeah, knowing that it was a, uh, right after those comments, that makes more sense on why he was so angry. Because Shane O'Brien has said before how much he loved Vancouver. Yeah. And the Vancouver fans and how they are. And it's like, yeah, like we are passionate fans. If you're good, we're good to you. If we're If you're bad... Yeah, There's we'll, gonna be we'll let you know yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, but no, Horvat, I don't think I ever looked at him as being bad. You know, no, he, he was, all, he was always good. Was I thought he was a great leader on the team, a great ambassador for the team. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy that he got the uh, reaction he did after his tribute video. Very, very touching and awesome send-off. But then after that, oh. <laughs> every time he touched the puck, he got booed again. Yeah, he got booed, and he scored, which did not help. Yeah, that I that was when I really heard it. I was yeah. like, ooh, people yeah. didn't like that very no, much. It was not good. Uh, there was just a lot of funny moments that game. Yeah. Uh, Brock Nelson getting a goal before two Brock goals. Besser. I thought he got two goals. Apparently, he didn't. Oh, I thought he did. The first goal went to uh, Pierre and Eng- oh, Engvall. Oh, yeah. maybe they. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, I thought it was Brock too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, uh, both Brock scored. Yeah, we got a Brock hat trick. Um, Kuzmenko getting hit in the face. Not funny. No, that was. But we should talk about serious. it. Though. Yeah. That was like watching on TV, and I'm sure in the building it was the same because well, it was that on, was scary. Yeah, man. it was on our side too, so it was like right. Oh, in front you of so us. you were closer yeah. to it. Okay, so and like it was a complete, walk, walk us through it. Well, like it was on the power play, right? It was. Yeah, yeah. So a little cross crease with uh, JT Miller going for just a one timer, like threw everything he had into it. Yeah, and like just missed the net, and unlucky Kuzmenko, who plays right beside the net on the power play, yeah. just took it. We couldn't see because, like, our seats are higher up. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't tell, like, where he took it off of. But, like, we saw the collision. The puck bounced. And he just dropped to the ice. And it was kind of like, oh, like, oh, that could be bad. And then he started kicking his legs. And he was rolling around. And yeah. it was like, oh, God. Like, I was just waiting for, like, the pool of blood or something. Like, 
because it was a rocket that yeah. shot. Um, not yeah. the hardest shot in that game, but we'll no, get to yeah, that. We'll later. get to that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like the whole arena went silent until the beer lady in our section goes, "Cold beer, no. ice cold beer," <laughs> and we're like, "Dude, read the room. Come on!" Like everybody's got their heads in like their in their hands, and just this lady is Stella's buds, ice oh, cold man. beer. Wait, is it the girl with like the black hair? No, it was a different girl this okay, time. Okay, yeah. you remember the one that served us yeah, in the Raptors yeah, yeah. game? She's always around our section. Oh, I haven't now. seen her since that. Yeah, she's always up there. I was like, oh, if it would be her, that would be so funny. Oh. Just because she's like, she sells so yeah. hard. So, oh, man. But all oh, that happened. To yeah, me. yeah. It was it was oh, not a good look. No. <laughs> Did anyone say like, hey, dude, shut up. No, no, no. It was, uh, yeah, she she had the wrong timing. For yeah. Sure. Um, but it was funny. Uh, was it on your story? I saw a photo. But, like, all the Canucks players are surrounding uh, Kuzmenko. And then Bo Horvat's just yeah, right Horvat's in the middle there, there. too. Yeah. Like, well, oh. you know that he cares, right? Yeah, like, him exactly. and Kuzmenko played together last yeah. year. They obviously know each other quite yeah. well. So that was, like, that was another one of those moments that just makes you go, oh, this guy does not deserve the hate he's getting. No. Like, yeah. But a- anyway, so to give a current update on that, Kuzmenko did not go to Calgary for the one-game no. road trip. Uh, he's being evaluated in Vancouver, and there have been literally no updates. Like, no, we have no idea what it was. JT Miller saying that like he was in smiles at the end of the game, going to the hospital. Yeah, which could mean literally anything. Yeah, uh, Talkit hinted that it, he caught it in the chin. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah, it, I don't know if you remember when Dan Hamhuse took a shot to the face once as a Canuck. I was at that game, and that was very scary. Yeah. And then that that was more, he was a defenseman though. The shot was against our net and he yeah. just went to block it and he blocked it with his teeth. Yeah. And I mean, whenever a NHL player goes down and just doesn't get up immediately, yeah. it's scary because you know, it takes a lot for a player to go down and not get back up. It's another thing with the leg kicking too. Like yeah, somehow, the leg kicking. Like, that is somehow to me worse than yeah. them being like unconscious completely. Yeah. Like when they're knocked out, it's like, oh no, but it happens. When they're literally writhing in pain, yeah. it's just, oh, it's so uncomfortable. Well, you got to think like a, a full blown slap shot. Like it was pretty close. So it probably didn't get to full speed, but you could probably call that 80 miles an hour. A rubber puck, yeah, taking it right off the chin, like, yeah, I would, I would to. smash it. Yeah, do do you speaking speaking of eighty miles per hour? Uh, weird, random story, way off topic, but I, I want to say it anyway. Uh-huh. Do you remember when we were driving back home In, from Tulalip? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I thought I was super smart going into the states. It was like, oh, I have a setting on here where I yeah. can change my speedometer to miles per hour from kilometers thing. Like, yeah, this way I, w- I won't have to do conversions in my head or whatever. Yeah, not the math guy. No, not the math guy. And then at some point we were driving, we had a long stretch of freeway, and we were like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going pretty fast already. I'm going to bring it to 100 miles an hour. Yeah, just because, like, I don't know, you hear the phrase 100 miles an hour yeah. all the time. You don't think anything of it. So we, we start driving and speeding up. We get to 100, and the girl, so <laughs> Emma and Jess are in the back seat. And they're both like, why are you going so fast? I'm like, no, relax, relax. We're not even at 100 miles an hour. Like saying that like super casually. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so we get to 100 
And I'm like, okay, cool. I can say I'm doing 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And I click the button to switch back to kilometers. And it's like 165. Yeah, it was It was just like, whoa, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? I remember I switched it back to miles really quick so the girls wouldn't see because I knew they would freak out. Well, we got lucky that there was like no cars on the highway. So like, yeah, like there might have been like one or two where we just zoomed past them. But like. Yeah, we were on there, so you couldn't really tell. Yeah, but yeah, yeah eighty miles an hour is no joke. No. I guess is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but that's so. That's aside. Those are like individual moments of the game. Yeah. Let's talk about the just the game in general for a second, because a lot of fans were agreeing that that's the closest thing to a playoff game Vancouver's seen in a long time in terms of like atmosphere, yeah. energy, the pace of play, like. At home, people were saying that they were freaking out. I was freaking out yeah. in my living room at home. What What was it like? It, let's just jump to overtime. What did that yeah. feel like? So, I mean, the the buildup to overtime, that little five-minute uh, break period, it was just like humming and hawing, and everyone's just like, the excitement level's getting higher and higher and higher. And right. like, throughout overtime, it's gasp, Uh <laughs> freak out like we're at the opera like it was just it was a whole ordeal going on what what was emma like because she's like she's not the most oh my god intense. she's like your grandma we figured Wait, what do you out. mean like she's like oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> like just gasping at every like jumping out of her seat and it's just oh jeez. so funny because like i don't think of her as like a super hardcore hockey fan she seems like someone who's only a fan because we kind of forced yeah. her to be one i mean it's definitely different when you're in the arena and like i don't know why but like it was something about like what was in the arena it was just like everybody was so invested in the game right like there was no like there was no wave that game Really? No, because everybody was just so intently watching. <laughs> like some guys tried to start it, and there was like four people that did the wave. Other people like sit down. Yeah, literally. Shut up. It was it was crazy, and yeah, everybody was standing up throughout the game. Wow, like that's cool. It was so much fun, and then so obviously we win. Yeah, everybody's freaking out. Everyone's yelling, like high fiving and stuff like that. Like that's amazing. And then as we're leaving, like it's just like go Canucks, go chance. Everyone's yelling. You know, throwing woos out in the air. Like, it was... And then walking to the SkyTrain station. Same thing. People are still yelling. People are still going crazy. It was... It was really like a playoffs, playoff atmosphere. Like, atmosphere-wise, like, one of the funnest games I've been to in a very long time. Wow. Yeah. that That's so awesome to see. Like, finally. You know, the Canucks fans have waited for this for so long. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm really happy to see it. But we've got to talk about our stars, too. So oh my goodness. Let's like I'm just gonna read you out a stat. Um how many how many spin moves do you think Quinn Hughes has? Oh my god. Because he definitely leads the NHL in that it's, too. Every yeah. <laughs> it's insane and it we, works. We need, every time. we need at the end of the year to have like with all the NHL awards, yeah. we need the Mason Raymond Award for the most <laughs> spinoramas <laughs> completed. <laughs> <laughs> but it works yeah. i don't get how it works everybody falls for it it's like it's, it's so elusive or what like i, I saw can him, see it i happen. saw him do it once where he like went to take the half step back yeah and the guy followed him and mm -hmm. he just kept skating forward yeah it, and it looked so funny because he was skating in a straight line and just slowed down for a second yeah. and his defenseman just ankles broken yeah like, and he just kept going it's crazy i don't know how it how it works so well every single time and teams aren't just like hey this guy likes to do the spin around it let's like 
play more pressured on him when he's on the when he's walking the line or what like wherever be on the lookout for it because it breaks the guy's ankles every single time yeah but it's so much fun to watch yeah no it's it's cool it there was again another random story uh playing box lacrosse growing up yeah there's this one burnaby team that we played and they were really even with us uh-huh. but they had one player that was just really really good yeah. and he would always just juke guys out and we kind of thought the same thing like how do we someone's just got to like go hit him like, yeah we're, we're gonna figure this out so next shift i'm up against this guy yeah and he you know he's he's a it would be like playing against jake right okay. so yeah, like yeah. He, he's running down at you you're like so you go for the knees. <laughs> yeah, at this point, you're thinking, how can I dislocate his shoulder? Like, I, I, there's no other way around this. But he comes up to me, takes a half step to one side, and I'm like, oh, he's going to go back to the other side. So I went to, like, follow him, and he just kept going oh. the same direction. And I literally fell backwards. Because, oh. like, he was running towards me, and he, like, in my end. So I was trying to keep that him out of our so zone. so much worse. As I'm falling over backwards, I was literally just, like, it, it felt like slow motion, yeah. right? Like, you're watching him go by you. There's no way I'm getting my balance back. Yeah. I'm just like a plank, like a board, like a tree falling over back. You almost got to like fake an injury. So it doesn't like people I sh- have I to should've. feel bad. I, <laughs> <laughs> what's worse. Cause I, I was only like maybe eight or nine when this happened. Oh damn. Yeah. Oh, we were young, but <laughs> <laughs> instead I just laid there for like two seconds. Just yeah. thinking like, fuck. And he scored. <laughs> and like, he would have anyway, like I wouldn't have had time yeah. to get back, but it was just that much more insulting yeah. that I was laying there on the ground while everyone's like cheering and high-fiving him. Like, fuck. like, I still have nightmares about that, <laughs> but that is how Quinn Hughes makes professional athletes Literally, feel every it game. It is insane how this guy is able to just walk the line and move the puck. Uh, so we were listening to the, uh, post game show on Sportsnet 650. Okay. Yeah. And like, it was just like, it was pretty much all Quinn Hughes that they were talking about. Yeah. And they compared him to a point guard in the NBA. Okay. And I was like, this is a really good, uh, comparison. So help out us non-basketball fans. Well, like, what what does just, that mean? He controls the floor. Like he, yeah. he mainly has the puck in his, or the ball in his hands as a yeah. point guard. And he... He runs the place. He tells the other guys what to do. And, like, players move around what he's doing with the ball. Okay. So when Quinn Hughes is walking the line, like, everybody else is getting into positions for him to be able to make the play because they know he can as long as they get into the right positions. Okay, so I Quinn see. Hughes controls the ice so well and is able to move around the ice and get around these players and make plays that are just mind-boggling to watch. And it shows in the stats as he's leading in every single defensive stat. It is yeah. insane how dominant he is right now. Not only defensive stats, which you're right, but he is tied for the league lead in points. Yeah. Not defenseman points, points in total. In fact, the trio of JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Quinn Hughes, do you know how many points they currently have? They're all tied, This by is the way. before the Calgary game. Or sorry, so including the Calgary game. Oh, including. Including this game, guess how many points they have combined for? Oh, uh, are they are they over eighty five? Not quite. Yeah, but they're at eighty one points. Yeah. between the three of them, which is insane. It is the middle of November. Yeah, they've been playing hockey for a month, dude. This is insanity. It's absolutely unreal. And that's just them three. Now let's talk about Barack Besser being tied for Le- yeah, league, league lead in goals. goals. Um, assists. Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are tied for the league lead. Points. Elias Pedersen. 
tied for the league lead. Defenseman points, Quinn Hughes. Defenseman goals, Quinn Hughes. Defenseman assists, Quinn Hughes. Plus minus in the entire NHL, Quinn Hughes. It's it's insane that you did not pick him for your Norris trophy the one year you didn't. I know. I feel very <laughs> stupid insane. right now. Uh, yeah, no, it's... But it, no, he's he is having an absolute crazy breakout season that nobody expected Nobody could have seen. No this one point. knew it was going to be this big. No, no way. No, it, it, it's insane. Uh, the Canucks, as of last night, were first in the Western Conference, which is nuts. Yeah. Second in the NHL, and th- this pisses me off so much because I'm so happy. I feel like all of the pain and suffering of the last decade is behind us, and we're in second place in the entire NHL. The only thing that could ruin this would be if the team in first place. Was the Boston Bruins? Yeah, and, no, and it is. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's like how how are they still <laughs> Very haunting us? How are we this good and it's still not quite good enough? No. You know, um, two things we do have to talk about were the two injured players for that game. So yeah, uh, Pew. Pew Suter. Yeah, I can never pronounce his name. It's okay. Uh, Suter was a, a very late game scratch. Yeah, and uh, Talkit was really uh, vague about. Uh, why they missed or why he missed and he's now all they're saying is that he's day-to-day yeah that scares me because a lot of times with hockey day-to-day turns into like four weeks i've just i've seen it happen it seems to happen with the canucks a lot really hoping he's okay because he's a a big part of our depth right now him and bluger have been playing awesome yeah bluger I, i think that was like his second game as a canuck and he looked good out there yeah they threw him out for overtime which i thought was super weird yeah, I wouldn't have seen that coming. Yeah, but that's... but the nice thing to see was in the late game when it was tied, like five minutes left, they were throwing out all their lines still. Like the yeah. Islanders were only throwing out their top two lines. Like Dakota Joshua was out there with like four minutes left in a tied game. Yeah, and I loved to see it because that means that Talkit has confidence in the bottom lines that they're like, hey, look, give these top guys a break. Go out there and make sure they don't score a goal. Yeah, that's the big thing is you're not running your top two lines dry. Yeah. Right? Which, like, they we've seen teams do it before. We talk about uh, the last time Edmonton was in the playoffs and Darnell Nurse, how he just, like, I think... He played Jake, 60 minutes or something one of the times. Yeah, Jake had, I th- yeah, because they had a game that went into, like, triple yeah. overtime. And Jake, I think, worded it the best. They were like, he, he they skated him until he was a fine powder. Yeah. Like, like he's just, there's nothing left. You can't ride right? a player that hard. Yeah. But then what was funny was in that game where he played that much time, yeah. like one of the first shifts he'd taken off all overtime, they got scored on and lost <laughs> the game. But like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's to your point, like the Canucks don't have to do that to anyone anymore. No. Maybe with defense a little bit. Like Hughes is getting a lot yeah, of so ice they, time. They started the game splitting up uh, Hughes and Hronik, and then halfway through the game, they put them back together, and that's yeah. when they started mounting the comeback. Same with this Calgary game. Uh, I don't even think they ended up playing it. I know they didn't start together, and like when I saw them out there, I didn't see them playing together. Yeah, they that only much. played a little bit together. Yeah, so but yeah, that's so that brings up another interesting topic that we should discuss. All these Chris Tanev rumors, like there's yeah. strong, uh, not only Tanev but Zadorov too, especially with the Susie injury. Yes, he's that, gonna be out. I think like two months. It's uh, they said. Yeah, but roughly. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's, that's a, a long time. A big hole on the on the defense. Yeah, because one of the one of the major things I noticed. Uh, in the Islanders game was they were throwing the body and the Canucks were not at all. Like they are missing somebody that can throw. Like Dakota Joshua was kind of throwing the body around, but he was really the only guy where the Islanders like, 
even their top guys were hitting. And, like, yeah. it was probably Dakota Joshua one, Pedersen number two. Yeah, we pretty much have, like, yeah, that JT Miller. Like yeah. That, that's about it. No one else on our team is going to throw Which a is, big hit. I think something that's going to haunt the Canucks if they don't fix, because we saw it in the Calgary game, and I bring it really back to the Philly game, are these kind of physical teams that don't go by skill. They yeah, they just you outwork you. Yeah, and, like, they will throw the body. They're not afraid to hit. And goals will come from wearing you down like that. And obviously it helped that the Canucks playing a back-to-back, traveling throughout that back-to-back. Like, they were tired. Yeah. But, like, these teams that focus more on physicality than skill is going to be something that's going to be hard for the Canucks to win. That's such a skilled team. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I think people used to talk about the Leafs that way a lot. And yeah. Their their big problem was they didn't have any defense, they didn't have any goaltending, and they didn't have any grit. They were all flash and skill, but that's not enough to win in the playoffs. Yeah. And the Canucks, yeah, they're going to need to add some grit somewhere. Yeah, as good as these Canucks are, playoffs? Yeah. This is not a, this is not a uh, playoff uh, they're not built for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. They run into Vegas in the playoffs. They are going to get cooked. Vegas, LA, I think, is more physical than them. Well, they're more physical for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like I Minnesota, still... even. Like, yeah. Like just those kinds of teams that are, are going to work you down physically. That's that's the Canucks' uh, Achilles heel. Yeah. Yes. The right very good job. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. That's, that's, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, no, they, they need to add it somewhere. Um, again, back back to the defense, Tanev and Zadorov as options. The only yeah. problem so far is Calgary is really trying to get teams to overpay for them. And the Canucks, to their credit, are not doing that so far. That sounds good that they've said, we're not going to pay through the nose. Like, we'll give you something that's fair. But Chris Tanev had some things to say about about Quinn Hughes uh, in, in a, an interview today. said, right now, Quinn Hughes is probably the best player in the National Hockey League. Um, that is crazy praise from a player that is about to play against your team. Yeah. Obviously played with Quinn Hughes in his rookie season. Uh, they were an amazing pairing. I think the Canucks would love to put them back together. But the name that's been thrown around that apparently the Flames would want in return is Nils Hoaglander. I, I don't want to do that. I love his game so much. Yeah. He gets under the other team's skin so much. I don't even know how. Yeah, it's and it's not like it's not like big hits and no. crazy things. It's like little chippy shit, yeah. but it's awesome to watch. But like watching how pissed off the other team gets, like every corner or whatever, he's getting cross-checked in the back, and I just yeah. love to see it. Yeah, and he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. He's like a yeah. he's a water bug, just bounces around, pissing yeah. people off. Yeah, no, it, it, it's good to see. But yeah, that's like, no, his skill level is not the highest, but no. he's a good depth guy to have on your team. Like you said, he gets under other people's yeah. skin and he's only like 23 years old. And this is not the Hoglander that we saw like two years ago where no. he, we thought he was going to be second line skilled player. No, he has completely switched his game around, which is so good to see that he yeah, saw he an opening on this team. Yep. He knew that like the top six is pretty set and it's going to be hard to break in there. Let me change my game around to show that I am buying into this. Yeah, he's a third. He's committed to that third line yeah. role or even that bottom line role sometimes. Yeah, but that is the level you need those guys to be at if you want to make a push. Everybody always talked about with like the past couple cup winners, uh, Tampa and Vegas. Their third and fourth line, yeah, is what put them over the top. Yep. of the other teams that they played is the fact that their third and fourth line could be a second line on any other team. And just like knew how to play their role. 
and Hoglander knows how to play a third liner's role. Yeah. And it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Like, there's always a player who's on the third and fourth line that Canucks fans just love. There's yeah. Tyler Mott, I, Curtis Lazar. Yeah. And I think Hoglander is going to be that next guy that Canucks fans just fall in love with. For sure. I think people are going to like him more, too, just because, like, we oh, yeah. crafted him. He came up yeah. through our system. He's been playing with us since the bubble year. Like, yeah, people have definitely attached to this guy. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what options the Canucks could offer from like maybe Abbotsford, if they could find some guys down there to trade. Yeah. But the thing is, like, as much as I would love to see Tanev come back, and that, that does a lot of good things for the team, you can't give up a skilled young player for him. No. Like, he, like I get it. They'll probably want maybe a second-round well, pick, and, like, I would give them, like, a mid-tier NA, or AHL player that could make the NHL, but you can't give them much more than that because Tanev is not going to be around for very long. How old is Zadorov? Do you know? Uh, no, but I can look that up really quick Okay, for so you. while you're doing that, I it depends on his age, because I know Tanev's in his 30s. Uh, Zadorov is 28. Okay, so he's a little bit older, so I don't know if I'd do that. I was going to say throwing Myers. They will never take it. Myers and uh, Pot Colson. Oh, dude, you... <sighs> But they're they're a little too old. I, I think. I want to wait one more year. I want a year. I want to wait another year on Puck. Just Coles where in. where does he fit on the team? I don't know, man. He but just doesn't I, have I a think, place. I think it's the, gonna turn into another Jack Rathbone. No, I won't where we hold on back. for him for too long and the and the stock price goes down. I think he will get a chance this season. I mean, you got to remember he was playing really really well to start the season, and then he got that injury which sidelined him for a while. We'll see how he comes back from that. But yeah, if it becomes evident that, you know what, yeah, it, as good as he is, there's no place for him, make the hard decision and trade him. But you don't trade him for a Zadorov. No. You, you I thought, ha- I thought Zadorov was better. younger. I thought he was like 24, 25. Yeah, no. Like, I, I guess if you're getting the cap dump of Myers and maybe... But even, he's done after the season, so it's like, it's not really worth it. Yeah, if I was going to say, if you can dump cap somewhere else, like if they take yeah. like even like a Bavillier or something to that effect, yeah. like, okay, maybe we work this out, but... Man, you, you, it, Pod Colson is one of those guys you don't want to give up on too early because that could burn you. Yeah, unless you are going all in. That's the only reason I could see him yeah. getting traded. Which, and I think it might be too early to go all in this I, season. I think next year they might. Yeah. Well, let's, you know what, speaking of going all in, I want to talk about the Canucks window real quick because the one other big piece of news that came out that Elliot Friedman broke was that the Canucks are apparently in conversations with Pedersen's camp about doing a four-year contract, which is half as long as yeah. we were thinking he would sign for. But this is something that we did talk about. It makes sense, right? Yeah. If he takes that four years and instead of trying to get $12 million, he settles for 10 and a half, yeah. 10 and three quarters, 10 and whatever, that leaves us with a little room because... Here, here are some things that are going to be happening in the next few years. Thatcher Demko will have to be re-signed in two seasons. Okay? Yeah. Quinn Hughes has to be re-signed in three seasons. And I'm sorry, I kind of read this in uh, reverse order. At the end of this year, Philip Peronik, who we've all talked about as being so good, yeah. but I think we've forgotten mm-hmm. about this. He's only signed for this season. So Ugh. after this year... Ugh. He has arbitration rights. He's a restricted free agent. So okay. if, if he were to go worse somewhere else, worse, yeah. it would have to be a trade or an offer sheet where we would get <clears throat> things in return. Yeah. But still, not what the Canucks are Based looking on for. It, yeah. You, I mean, you want to keep this guy. He's got the longest active 
uh, point streak in NHL history. Uh, or sorry, not NHL. In uh, Canucks defenseman. Defenseman history, history yeah. So, and he is current. Do you know how much money he makes right now? Is he in the fours? 4.4 million Jesus. per year. Oh, and how much are we paying Myers? <laughs> well, actually, now we're down to one yeah. because we paid out his yeah. bonus. But either way, so at the end of this season, along with Pedersen, yeah. we'll have to re-sign Hironic. Uh, then after next season, we have to sign... Um, is that the Besser Demko year? It is. Oh, my God. Uh, so th- this is what I'm saying. If If these guys, if we can get at least some of them to do shorter term deals yeah. where we pay them a little bit less, but we say, hey, when this is up, either we're going to pay you what you're worth or yeah. someone else will, right? But this way, you give us a chance to win. If you can sell that idea to the players, which benefits everyone, in my opinion. Petey would be, he has to be the one. Yeah. If any player was going yeah. to set He's the, the tone. He's the next guy up. Yeah, if any player was going to set the tone. Like, let's say everybody was, contracts were done. Like, all, all the contracts were done this season. Yeah. You focus on PD signing that short term sets the tone over anybody else. Even if you signed Hughes shorter, you have to get PD to sign for uh, shorter and yeah, less money. Exactly. He he is the the model, I guess you could call it. Yeah, he he's the first domino to fall. He's the next yeah, contract yeah. up. He's the highest. Um, he's the best level player, player that we're yeah. going to be signing. Yeah, yeah. If you right. get him to buy into the system of getting less money. I think everybody has to. Yeah, because you we can't afford to give these guys max term contracts. No. Like again, just take Heronic for example. If he signed an eight year deal, he's probably asking for eight million dollars. I would probably think. Yeah. The, the way he's playing. Yeah, and with with his age, he's only twenty five. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. Look at Thatcher mm-hmm. Demko. He's probably going to want ten million if he keeps playing like this. <sighs> yeah, he's right? so good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, after this, we need to get back into the games because okay, he, he deserves like 20 minutes. We won't talk about yeah, it Yeah, I'll, I'll be quick. Yeah, yeah. I'll be quick. Quinn Hughes, if he signed an eight-year deal today, what would that deal be worth? 12? No, not 12, but like uh, pro- over 10. McCarr makes 13. Doesn't he? McCarr makes like nine and a half. Oh, wait. Shh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. I, no, um... Rasmus Dahlin is who I was thinking of that signed for like yeah, yeah. 10 and a half signed, or something. Yeah, he just signed like 10 and a half. So I'd yeah. say probably around that. So he, so Hughes at minimum says 11. Yeah, probably right around there. Right. And then say Pedersen, who we were just talking about, that's probably 13. 12. Yeah, 12. Could like, be, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to ask for the moon. I want to remember like before this season, we were saying, does he make 10? Yeah. I don't know. Is that worth it? Now we're like 10 Fucking would be a damn Jake, I'm, bl- I'm blaming Jake. He said, <laughs> how worse could it get? It's gotten so much worse. That's right. He <laughs> He's did. making so much yeah. more money. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And if the Canucks uh, do wait, then uh, that's good. Because then we know he's uh, he's going to be consistent. Yeah. It'll be worth it. Yeah. Shut up, Jake. Uh. Not here to defend himself, but still, you moron. <laughs> um, oh. Okay, Thatcher Demko, you had some things you'd like to point out. God, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> love this guy. I think I think the Islanders had forty shots last game. Yeah, it was absurd. It was ridiculous, and he was standing on his head. Like he is the reason the Canucks won that game. Oh, for sure. They should not have been in that. The first period, they looked very sluggish. They were very slow. Pucks were bouncing, and then. Towards the end of the game, the last five minutes, Bo Horvat, I forgot. Okay, I looked at his stats. I thought he won every single faceoff he took because it looked like it and it felt like it. 
Yeah, not not quite. But do you know who had a really good night in JT the, Miller? Yeah, Miller had an unreal Which face off. I percentage. don't get how because I don't know. I don't know what game I was watching. It looked like Horvat was winning every face off. But either way, for the last like five minutes, the Canucks could not get it out of their end. Yeah, and Demko was having to make save after save, and there was a lot of close calls. There was one that Ian Cole saved right on the goal line. Yeah. Oh, I saw that one. And it was that like, was that was bound to happen. Like one was going to get past him and we got lucky that it didn't go in the net. Yeah. But yeah, Demko, the MVP of the season so far, in my opinion. Yeah. I would say he's right up there. I mean, again, it's hard to bet against Quinn Hughes right now. Yeah. Like leading. But the, it's just like the Canucks give up a lot of shots. Yeah. They and did. like not even this game, but like over the past couple games and Demko has been the rock. Yeah. Like he, it's, it's tough. There's, there's so many good players on this team right now. Yeah. It's almost hard to give them enough time each in the spotlight. Yeah. Right. Which is crazy compared to last year when like, we were like, blow it up, sell yeah. it off, like figure it out. Yard sale in Vancouver. Like if Demko but, was playing like he is on another team, like it would be like the Demko show. Yeah. Yeah, but, for sure. But it is on this team. It's the Demko show. It's the Pedersen show, the Hughes show, the yeah. Miller show, the Besser show. Yeah, it's the, the Sam Lafferty show, for it, God's sakes. Kind of, it, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of like, I, I call it the Leon Dreisaitl effect, how on any other team, he would be by yeah. far the best forward on their team. Yeah. But he happens to be on the same team as McDavid. Exactly. It, it's just one of those things. It's, but. it's insane. Having a Vesna caliber goaltender, a Norris caliber defenseman, and a heart caliber player, and two Selkie. caliber, yeah, silky and silky heart, possibly rocket, yeah, like possibly Jack Adams. We're talking yeah, about Jack Adams. That's not getting talked about enough. Is talk it, <laughs> talk it needs some talking time. Yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, what what else are we missing for awards? I, we don't have a rookie this year for the first time. It feels like. Yeah, no. Watch Akito Hirose come out. <laughs> yeah, and like, <laughs> be, be, <laughs> he'll be second in defense for <laughs> points behind Quinn Hughes. No, but like, there. yeah, we're talking about almost every major award in the NHL. There's a legitimate candidate on the Canucks. Yeah. That I can't remember. What, no. Like, even, even the 2011 team. No. We didn't have a Norris guy. No. Right? We had... We had Alex Edler, yeah. <laughs> which is which is funny talking about him now. Yeah. But like at the time, okay, he was a good defenseman. But really, like Alex Edler, Dan Hamhuse, Sammy Sallow, Kevin Bieksa, none of these guys are winning the North. Christian, Christian Erhoff, like good defenseman, but not, not Norris caliber. caliber, right? Mm -hmm. Admittedly, Kessler won the Selkie, which yeah. is pretty good. Uh, I forget which Sedin won the Heart that year and which one won it the year before. Yeah, but, or sorry, the uh, Art Ross. Art Ross. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Daniel won it. Yeah, <laughs> you said which Sedin? I was like, uh, I think Sedin. Yeah, <laughs> good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, one of them won the heart too. Yeah. But like that, that's all fine and well. But they didn't all win it the same year. No. You know what's crazy is that Luongo never won a Vesna. Yeah, that is crazy. That's nuts. But anyway, and I. Uh, Vino never got a Jack Adams. Like we're yeah. we're talking about more individuals on this team that are at that caliber than we're possibly on the 2011 team, and that's wild to think about. Um, moving on, I think that's uh, oh, I we didn't even talk about the Flames game, but did it matter? Like the the team was clearly tired. Yeah. They just had a six game road trip. They were come home they were for one night for a loss, and then immediately fly to Calgary. Yeah, they like, were due for a loss. I wouldn't look too far into it. I mean, no. I know it's Calgary, and everyone's talking about how bad Calgary is. Like we went into their no, barn. They're, they're 
uh, four, one, and one in their last six Yeah, games. like they've been playing pretty well. They had their starting goaltender. Casey DeSmith was in the net. Again, we let in, or we had a bunch of shots against. I don't think uh, this is Casey DeSmith's fault. I mean, he let in a couple no, soft yeah, ones. Yeah, the one that like landed kind of between his legs yeah. behind him and he thought he had it. Like, but I mean, okay. he's also a backup goaltender. Like, yeah, exactly. Like we can't be putting the whole game on him. But I wouldn't look too far into this. Uh, we we didn't get to talk about the heroic uh, shot. Right. The one we, that, that broke like the first records. thing we brought yeah. up. Yeah. So it was so they originally it was at 107.9. Yeah. Which in the arena, that shot was I didn't even see it going in the net. Like Dude, it was I didn't see such it on TV. a hard I, shot. On TV, I was like, he shot the puck. Did he fan on it? Where'd it go? Is it behind the yeah. board? Oh no, it's in the back of the well, net. Well, okay, so that that was at the end of the two minute five on three. Yes. Which you you don't see that. Ever. No. Yeah. Two penalties called on the same, same play, play against the same team. Yeah. That does not happen. It was insane. And they went the whole power play without a shot. It was. Yeah. There was like nothing going on. And the arena was letting them have it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was bad. Just people yelling, shoot. Shoot, booze. Like, it was <laughs> everything. Like, I was starting to boo. I was like, shoot the puck. Imagine being Bo Horvat. Like, damn, they, they yeah. forgot <laughs> yeah. to boo me. They're booing their own team yeah. now. Well, Bo Horvat was on the ice. Okay, um, well, but that's not yeah, why yeah, they were booing. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, all of a sudden, Hronik lets this one rip. And I had no idea he had a cannon like this. Yeah, no, I don't th- I don't think he does. Honestly, yeah, it was I out think, of nowhere. I think, it was I think everybody was quite surprised. Thing. But, like... Just like a perfectly timed shot, perfectly placed. Yeah. Like for a slap shot that close, just a bang, in and out. Yeah. Like it was, it was very, uh, if they didn't score on that power play, it would have been really bad. Yeah. But like that was. Yeah. Well, we were at home. We were thinking like the Canucks are rolling. Like they've been looking good yeah. the last few shifts. Now they get this two minute um, five on three. They've got a pot one. And it was just like, man, they're having trouble setting up. Yeah. They couldn't they're do like, anything. They keep exiting their own zone. Like. What is going to happen here? Yeah. And then they did end up getting one, which yeah. is good. But, man, that was very nerve-wracking. And all all the praise to the Islanders. They played a great game. Yeah. Like, they yeah, were all over all. the Canucks. Like, they, they've, al- they've always played a really good defensive game. But, like, even offensively, like, they were making plays around. Barzell and Horvat look really great together. Yeah, they're like that's the, I think where I'm happiest for Bo is I'm like, he finally has, like, a legitimate line mate. Do like, you think... The, Matt Barzell is the best player Bo's played with? Consistently, probably. Like, because, like, in... The players that are here, they weren't as good as they are now when Bo was here. Yeah, that's... Besides what, last season. That's what I'm trying to think about. Because, like, in Besser's first season, he was playing with... Or, sorry, in Bo Horvat's first season, yeah. he was playing with Besser a lot. But on the other side, it was Sven Berchi. So, yeah. like, it wasn't really that crazy of a line. Then, for quite a while, he had Louis Erickson... And Tanner Pearson were his wingers. And yeah. he's like, oh man, this is not good. In their 50th season, they had Miller on his line sometimes, which mm-hmm. was really nice. But then Miller had that lotto line thing happen. Yeah. So then they took him off that line. He wasn't line like again. consistently both. No. The, like the most consistent player for like the past couple or the last couple seasons was like Pearson pretty much. Yeah. It was and, always and Pearson. And Pearson is like, he's not a terrible player, but, but like, he's not. He's not Matt Barzell. No, no. He doesn't have the skill set that Matt Barzell does. No, not even close. Yeah. So, so. no, I, I would say that, yeah, this is the this will be the best chance he has to really evolve as a player, I think, is with Barzell yeah. on his wing. I, I think that'll work out really well for both of them, honestly. Um, that is a lot of Canucks yeah. talk. I mean, to be fair, it's probably the 
the most exciting game so far this season? I would say so. It was definitely yeah. the most anticipated. Most hyped, yeah, game yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think it's time we cool off and take, before we go to break, a quick splash into the inbox. And hit the button. Got it. Uh, into the inbox we go. A couple questions this week. We're gonna. I'm only going to read a couple of these just because we've got a lot to yeah. go through here. Um, the first one is from uh, Vancouver Boys Memes. Oh, gosh. He sent it again in all caps. Oh. So are you going to yell? Do I have to? I feel like you kind of do. It's, oh, it's late at night. It's 10 o'clock on a Thursday. Do I have to yell? Yeah, you do. Where's the parade? <laughs> Where's the girls? Where's the booze? <laughs> Fuck the brands! <laughs> oh, I, I love this guy so much. Um, but yeah, I, I think what we can take from that insightful inbox submission is that the Canucks are rolling yes. and people are excited about yeah, it. Yeah, very excited. And the Preds are in 30th place in the NHL they're right in now. They're 30th? They, they're not doing good. We Stay tuned for the second half because me and Jake talk about that. Oh, do bit. you? Because yeah. I, I think I mentioned it was like, oh, Edmonton's so embarrassed they're in 30th place. And Jake was like, actually, they're in, in 31st. 30th isn't that bad. <laughs> and then we looked it up and the Preds were in 30th. Oh, man. <laughs> um, it, it, moving along. Uh, oh, I guess I, sorry, I guess I spoiled that part of the second half for our listeners. Uh, but whatever. That's, ah, whatever. We always end up talking about the Preds. Yeah, it, it, you know we were going to make fun yeah. of them eventually. <laughs> Um, thoughts on Casey Smith so far this season? It's, it's a backup goaltender. Yeah. I mean, the first couple games, he looked great. Yeah. And he's kind of come down a little bit, but I mean, overall he's been serviceable. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And like, look at our last few backup goaltenders. I, I would take him over Spencer Martin. Yeah. I would take him over, um, Halak. Yeah. I would take him over Holtby. Holtby yeah. Like, I'm going through the most recent backup goalies I can yep. think of. I like this guy better than all of them. Yep. Right? I think, and re really, he's just here until Silovs is ready anyway. And then Silovs, I think, will take over the backup position, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see, but either way, I don't have a problem with DeSmith, no, he's been, I guess, he's been is, good. The, is the answer. Hot take. Oh, right? okay. Hughes, Petey, and Miller, the top three points leaders right now, will all get over a hundred points each. And now th this, this is, this is that part of me that I hate because this is that part of me that has hope. And then it gets crushed later, but I'm going to have it now. Is it that hot of a take? Because I'm trying right to think of the last team to get that done. Prob I mean, I would assume that Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr probably did it. I don't, I don't know if they have, honestly. I, I don't have the stat in yeah. front of me, but I, I I'm don't. trying to think of like two forwards and then a defenseman. It, it would, it's not crazy to say. I mean, what, they're probably on pace for 150 points right now or something like that. Something ridiculous that obviously oh, they're not going to keep Oh, it's more up. than that. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it'd probably be around there. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it'd be something absurd. Uh. Um, I'm just trying to look here. Uh, Kale McCarr's season high in points. Guess what? Guess what his season high is? I would have thought like 110. 86. 
Is that it? 86, and that was in 2021-22. How many games did he play? Uh, he got those 86 points in 77 games. Holy shit. So he was a little bit over point per game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Quinn Hughes is currently on pace to obliterate yeah. that number. So who would be the last two forwards and defensemen pairing? Like on the same team? Yeah, maybe like Malkin, Crosby, Latang. Possibly. If that even, Latang, I don't think... Was like that? No, good. he's never been. He's never like, been like. He's always been solid guy. and yeah. very good, but like never quite that level. I don't know if that's happened before. Yeah, wouldn't it be funny if they all hit a hundred points and then a different guy led the team in goals? Yeah, that but would like be nuts. <laughs> watch, watch Besser. They all do that. They get like a hundred and twenty points each. It's like the yeah. craziest thing. Besser wins the rocket with ninety nine points. Like, just won't quite get it there. Would, it would be absolutely insane for three of them to get over 100 points and one of them to be a defenseman. Yeah, I can't think of Because, like, I mean, the Oilers did it Oh, maybe season. the Lightning? No, not, not uh, even they really had a defenseman of that Like, Hedman caliber. wasn't a huge point getter. No, he was just terrifying and could score. But, yeah, not like that much. Um, yeah, I'm really trying to rack my brain here. Did Chicago ever have... No, because not even Duncan Keith. Well, really and all this that. scoring back then was way lower. Yeah, it was a bit too. Like they weren't scoring at this pace. Yeah. Um, and then there, there's one more that I I want to read out, but I I'll just get your take on it quickly. But there's a conversation coming later. Um, what are your thoughts on the NHL adding a shot clock during overtime? This has been a rumored discussion that they've been having. Have you heard about this? I have not. So there's. The NHL wants to make changes to three-on-three three to make it more exciting. Yeah. And one of the proposed changes is they want to add a shot clock, like in basketball. I don't like that. Why not? Three-on-three three is already so fast-paced. And when they do take their time to, like, say, get a line change or do whatever, like, I don't think you need a shot clock when do you see players not already moving the puck? Yeah, no, it's the moving the puck is one thing, but it's the changing of possession that the NHL is worried that because there's so much open ice, it's once one team has the puck, it's really, really, really hard to get back. So they're saying they have to limit that team and how much time they have before they can make a shot so they don't just cycle around forever. <sighs> I mean, and I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way. I'm just I'm presenting I, what their idea it is. It sounds like it's a bunch of crappy teams complaining that their players can't get the puck from your Vancouver Canucks. So did, I'm so happy you said that because did you hear Elias Pettersson's quote about no, about it say? when they asked him about it? He said, "If teams are so worried about getting the puck back, maybe they just shouldn't lose the puck." Yeah, literally, like <laughs> stop complaining, just take the puck away. You guys get play or paid to play the same sport exactly. as the guys you're playing against. Just get the puck from them. Yeah, be better. I'm I'm mostly on your side with this. Uh, again, I don't want to go too deep into it, just because me and Jake are about to have a conversation yeah. on that in the second half. But I I did want to make sure you got your take in there. Um, I think that's. Gotta wrap it up for Canucks news. We've been going... Oh, this has been an hour-long half. Yeah. So I, um, think. I got a oh. stat that may be correct. Okay. 
Uh, it looks like the Montreal Canadiens in 76-77. Jesus Christ. Won the Hart, the Art Ross, the Vesna, Consmythe, and Norst all in the same season on the same team. That, honestly, if it was going to be anyone, it, it would was be the Montreal Canadiens yeah. <laughs> yeah, in like the 60s or 70s. long time ago. Yeah. Six teams in the league. Yeah. The, they're on like a nine-year cup streak. Like, yeah, yeah they, they would be winning all that stuff. Um, that, that's pretty funny actually. Um, anyway, that wraps it up for the first half. Uh, Alex is going to be done for the rest of the episode yes. now. And, uh, we're going to be joined by me and Jake on the other side, right after trivia. Who is the most expensive defenseman in NHL history? Oh, it's about to be Quinn Hughes. <laughs> um, right now, uh, Kale McCarr. Uh, nope. This is lifetime earnings. Oh, lifetime earnings. Yeah. <clears throat> Tyler Myers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Morgan Riley. Uh, nope. Hmm. Trying to think of guys that would like definitely make the li- Drew Doughty. Uh, nope. Huh. Does Brent Burns count as a defenseman? <laughs> I don't believe so, but he is not on here. Okay. Um, I don't know. Guess we'll uh have to quiz Jake on that one after after the <laughs> <Yeah>. second half. <laughs> All right, that's it from us, eh? Uh, yeah, we'll see you guys. Well, I guess you won't see me. Yeah, we won't see you. You're going home. No, I'm going home. I will see you guys on the well, other I'm side. Well, I'm going to the game, actually. Right. Yeah. Yes. You're <laughs> I'm going to the game. <laughs> right. I will see you on the other side, which is yesterday with Jake. You're listening to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. That's her name. Don't wear it out. Man, we got to sign this guy to a six by six. Tampa Bay was $18 million over the salary cap. UC Soros is the best goalie in the NHL. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the Vancouver Boys podcast. Just like in the first half, I will be your host, Marcus Keller, but I am now joined by my other fantastic co-host, Jake Jude. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, like I mentioned, Alex is, uh, right now, this game is or sorry, this episode is being recorded the night of the Vancouver Canucks versus New York Islanders game. Alex is at the game, so me and him are going to recap that tomorrow, which you would have just heard in the first half. So this is being recorded on Wednesday during that game, but we're not going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the rest of the NHL. And we're going to talk about a bunch of other things too, but that all starts with everyone's favorite segment. Uh, All right, I don't say the name. I just hit, I hit the button. What a goof! I hit the button. That's right. Welcome to the biggest goof of the week. This is my part of the show, my segment, where I go and I find a story that involves a player, coach, team, organization, whatever have you. Bring up a story with the guys and we get to chat about it. And this week, the biggest goof of the week is that bitch, Bo Horvat, for crying. Oh, my gosh. You can't believe ass. he shed tears. <laughs> All right. What, whatever. You know what? I'm, I, I don't even want to talk about it with you too long just because I know that's no. what the whole first half is going to be about. But that was a yeah, beautiful no. welcome home for him compared yeah. to what I no, thought it would I, be. I, 
I know that I won't get the chance to talk about it. That isn't the biggest goof of the week, but I just wanted to say that I thought that was awesome that there were so many fans that showed up early and, you know, he got the chance to, you know, wave and acknowledge them. And I know, like I said, you guys are going to cover it more in the beginning, so fans are probably, or listeners are probably sick and tired of listening to us talk about it already, but I just thought it was sweet and I wanted to get my two cents in it. Fair. Anyways, I actually have two different stories for the biggest goof of the week. Ooh. We can blow through the first one pretty quick because it's just like, it's a goofy thing that happened, but there's not really much to say about it. Okay. So Toronto Raptors are, you know, having a whatever season. They're kind of middle of the pack, whatever. And it came out earlier this week that one of their best players was injured. And the injury took place outside of the court, like off the court, I guess. Oh, okay. He, it, there came out, there was a report that came out that said that OG Ananobi cut himself. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Chore. Who? Who? OG Ananobi. Oh my god. I'm not a basketball yeah. guy. I don't know who that is, but it sounds like a Star Wars character. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's the power forward for the Raptors. Okay. Anyway, it came out this week that he cut himself doing chores and so now he's out injured. Oh. Well, that sucks. <laughs> that's I know, that's right? Kind of, like, was it a was it Sackick that just decided he was going to stick his arm up a, a snowblower and like tore his hand up? Do you remember that? Uh, I don't know. It, it was a long time ago, like early 2000s. But yeah, Sackick missed like months of hockey because he went to unclog his snowblower and he put his yeah. hand up it and I guess something shifted and it like, I don't know if you know what the inner workings of a snowblower look like. Yeah, believe me, you, you don't want to put your, Yeah, you don't want to put your yeah. hand in one. <laughs> it, it, he, he, I, man, I want to look that up later now, but yeah, I feel like I that really happened. don't. But well, yeah, I mean, it's not like yeah. there's a video of it, but yeah, yeah I, I, so I want to make sure I'm right. Even on stories where I'm like, there's no way we're going to find any way to talk about this for longer than the length of the title of the story. You still find a way to relate it back to some hockey story from 2002. <laughs> I mean, I, I was awake. I love it. I love, it's great. It's it's honestly oh, okay. so cool. Already sidelined with a back injury, Colorado Avalanche's Joe Sackick had surgery to repair three broken fingers and tendon damage as a result of a snowblower accident at his home. Jesus. And what's the uh, the date on that story? Can you find it? <laughs> December 10th, 2008. And I oh, wow. honestly, I didn't even like realize he was still, Yeah, I didn't realize he was still playing yeah. in 2008. Yeah, that must have, you know what? I wouldn't doubt if that ended his career. <laughs> he 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 missed 3 months. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. Okay, well the the real <laughs> biggest goof of the week in this story, I think is a lot more interesting and it has to do with the basketball play-in tournament. I swear to god this play-in tournament has been the subject to so many goofs of the week. But this week, it's what happened during one of the games. Okay. So the Golden State Warriors played the – who did they play? Oh, the Utah – no, it was the Minnesota Timberwolves. And these teams are pretty evenly matched. But the Golden State Warriors were kind of pulling away with the with the, the game. Okay. When a scrum ensued at center court. And Draymond Green, who is widely considered to be like not quite the Brad Marchand, but – I would say kind of if you split the difference between Ryan Reeves and Brad Marchand, you get Draymond Green. Oh, that sounds also, like a horrifying player. Oh my god. But like <laughs> but like you gotta remember this is this is basketball though. So like no one's throwing hands in, in, in basketball, you know? Okay, fair. So, so it was it's more tame than that. 
Yeah, he's more of just like a rough idiot. So anyway, okay. He um so the, a, a scrum ensues at center court, and Draymond Green comes flying in and puts one of the tallest players in the NBA in a rear naked choke at the center court. Wait, and wait, it's what? so goofy looking. <laughs> <laughs> so he grabs him by the throat. He jumps on his back, grabs him by the throat, and then he has to like bend down because Draymond's like a foot shorter than him. It's so funny. <laughs> After the game, the memes online were endless. It's so funny. But yeah, Draymond Green putting a seven foot one basketball player in the rear naked joke. <laughs> oh, that's nuts. That's like when a mm-hmm. that's like when an older brother and younger brother fight each other over something. It's like no exactly, no one's going to yeah. throw a punch, but for whatever reason cutting off oxygen supply is totally on the table. One guy's <laughs> way taller than the other one. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. In a oh, basketball game. Yeah, I mean I think that the whole scrum began off of you know a little shove here a little push there and then this guy comes flying in off the top rope and just <laughs> grabs rudy gobert by the throat i would love i and I, I mean this so so much i would love to see one nba basketball game break out into like a full-on five-on-five brawl i want to see it and, and the, ever, the, it, it, it has happened it has happened but like full-on fist of- fight um, pretty close. Have you ever heard of the Malice at the Palace? No, but that's awesome. Yeah. So in like 2004, 2005, the Indiana Pacers were playing some other team. I forget who it was. Oh, the Detroit Pistons, I think. Okay. I don't know. I'm not a huge basketball guy, but like, but most basketball buffs know quite a bit about it. And yeah, it was like a full fight. There was a guy by the name of Ron Artest who was like part of that fight and then later went on to legally change his name to Meta World Peace, which is the most ironic thing I've ever heard in my life. And he was like a key contributor to the scrap. So, yeah. That's but anyway, yeah, the ma- Malice at the Palace. You should check it out. It's pretty funny. There's been like documentaries done on it. And it's like, dude, that is literally a Thursday night in the NHL. But that's a documentary to the NBA. Wow. I'd, I'd, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look that up after. I just, I, yeah. I always wondered what it would be like having like 10 gigantic, super tall, muscular dudes and like two refs that think this is a non-contact sport and just see yeah. what happens. Cause in the NHL, yeah. you've got two refs and two linesmen that realistically are only in slightly less good of shape than the players themselves, right? Like if there's a line brawl, the refs and linesmen can handle it to some extent. I don't think Most that's true team, yeah. with basketball. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, the the size difference between refs in the NHL compared to the players they're officiating to basketball is insane. Yeah. Like, insane. Yeah. yeah. But also the other thing about the, the malice at the palace is the fans were involved too because there's no boards. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it, it almost reminds me of that like Boston Bruins clip from like the 70s. When the guy was like climbing into the stands and beating fans with their shoes. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite old hockey clips. That's just like, yeah. that to me encapsulates the 60s. Is you could jump yeah. over the boards, walk up a flight of stairs, and start beating a guy with his own shoe. <laughs> 
<laughs> man, we, I was born in the uh, wrong time, man. Yeah. See, that was entertainment back in the yeah. 60s. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, that, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. And you know what? I think yeah. the last time the Oilers were good must have been around the 60s, too. I think it's been a little mm-hmm. while for them. Or that they've been consistently Excellent good. Excellent segue, my friend. Thank Excellent you. segue. Thank you. It's <laughs> actually quite poor. I think it was like the late 70s, early 80s. But my point being, the Edmonton Oilers have fired Jay Woodcroft. Uh, this happened a few days ago and was highly anticipated with the Oilers being about a month and a half into the season now. And are just bringing in the rear for the scoreboard. They are in third. Bringing in the rear for it, the You know scoreboard. what? I tried to start like a certain like phrase, and then I changed my mind bringing halfway through. up the rear. You got close. See, I was going to say that, but then I was like, that sounds like even more of an innuendo. <laughs> and then I panicked, and, and then nothing worked. Yeah. So yeah. my point is the Oilers are terrible right now they are in 30th place in the nhl when they were expected to be stanley cup contenders did, did well, this... hey 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 what they're 31st in the nhl which is far worse than 30th Jesus. i would say that 30th is actually a pretty respectable place to be in in the nhl as a matter of fact i think it's one of the most prestigious places to be at in the nhl i'm looking at this i'm about to pull up the standings <laughs> because i have a feeling i might know who's in 30th <laughs> And uh, just to oof, <laughs> yeah, the the Nashville Predators, man. I actually, yeah. you know what? I'm as I'm looking at this, I'm realizing I don't I don't think I've been harping on you enough this year. Holy shit! I didn't realize the Preds were that bad. What's going well, on? They're on, a, they're on a four game losing streak, so that kind of uh, oh. kind of tanked them. But yeah, I mean they were doing fine. They were beating good teams, right? Like they. They beat the Leafs and the Rangers. Those are good teams, but yeah, and then they lost to shitty teams like the Jets and the Yotes. The Yotes, they had like a 5-4, 5-3 lead, and then they just blew it. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, they had a 4-2 lead and lost 7-5. I don't know. Like, it's, it's frustrating, but like, I also know what they are. I don't... I want them to make the playoffs. I think I predicted them to make the playoffs, but I know that they're not. It's just, it's more fun for me to cheer for them to win than it is for me to just expect for them to lose, I guess. So that's just the for way sure. I approach Buddy, it. Buddy, I've been there for the last 10 years. I know exactly what, what yeah. you mean. But the, yeah. But like you were saying, you know what they are. They're supposed to be here right now, and they will be better in the future, right? That, that mm. This is part of the cycle. The problem for the Edmonton Oilers is this is not part of the cycle at all. This is like they got almost to the top of the cycle and then just jumped straight back to the bottom without doing any of the things in between. So uh, after firing Jay Woodcroft, the Edmonton Oilers hired Chris, and I'm going to try, Chris Knobelak. Knobelak? The, The K is silent, brother. Oh, that changes the first things. K. The first K is silent. Okay, right. They've hired Riss Knobelach. Oh my god! No, it's it, it's Chris Nablock, I think. Is it French? I I think it's pronounced Nablock, but I have no idea. Okay, I'm not going to pretend like I know. Well, interesting fact about Chris. 
Uh, he was Connor McDavid's coach in the E or sorry in the OHL while coaching the Erie Otters. Do you think that factored into the hiring decision? Uh, yeah, and anyone who doesn't is probably naive. That's that's fair. Um, I mean, I've always been a big fan of connections like that. I've always thought it can help players work out. Um, one example of where I think the Canucks dropped that too soon was with uh, Jonathan Dolan, who ended up going to the Sharks, having one good season as a rookie, and then going back to Europe, which confused me. But he played with Pedersen before the Canucks drafted him. So I really would have liked to see what they could have done together. I think that that kind of chemistry and bringing back old connections is important, and I think it can help. And I really wonder if this helps things with the Oilers, because the the thing I think worth noting here is that it's not just that the Oilers aren't playing well. Connor McDavid is not playing well at all right now. Or not, he's not playing like Connor McDavid, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a bit of an interesting story. Well, more on that, we'll, we'll see what happens if they get more of a coaching bump. I think they've only played about one game since uh, with him as head coach. So we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Um, but moving on to something that affects the entire NHL, three-on-three overtime could be changing, and it's probably not in the way you wanted it to. Uh, a lot of fans have mentioned now that they would like three-on-three overtime to be extended to maybe 10 minutes just to you know, get, give that extra bit of actual play before you jump into what is more of a, a skills competition in the shootout. However, the change the NHL is proposing to make is, well, Jake, I'm going to have you help explain this because I'm not sure I even fully understand. They want to make half-court rules um, about circling back into your own zone. Could you help me and maybe some listeners understand what that means? Yeah, for sure. So what I did was I went out and I found a story, and the way that they explain it is... um, two of the proposed rule changes could be taking inspiration from a couple of rules in basketball. The first being that once teams have taken the puck across center ice or the blue line, they cannot just take it right back out, a la the backcourt violation in basketball. Additionally, a shot clock is being considered. Shot clocks are used in basketball so that the winning teams cannot just hold the ball forever to drain the game clock and give their opposition no chance of making a comeback. Obviously, in NHL 3-on-3, that's ridiculous. I think having a shot clock might be helpful, but at the same time, like, what are you going to do? You can't do a loss of possession. You have to do a face-off. So, I don't know. It's a bit interesting. Like, I think that the backcourt violation, or sometimes referred to as over and back, might be an interesting um, um, rule change. Um, But it's going to be really tough, because, like, it's going to be tough to balance that role, I guess. Because, like, as a defensive team, like, if you're playing three on three, defensively, you can just pressure the guy with the puck right out of the zone, and then there's a whistle, right? So, I don't know. I think them being able to find a way to implement that rule without it being kind of broken in favor of the defense, the point where teams can never get into the zone and do anything, and it's just a series of just whistle after whistle after whistle. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. 
Yeah. But the shot clock, I think, is a bit of a silly idea. Yeah, the shot clock to me seems like they're just doing way too much to try to be different. Like, I played box lacrosse growing up, which is one of the only sports that has a shot clock. And I just can't see how it would work in hockey. It, it doesn't really make sense. Um, I I am, I got to say, I'm one of the fans that just thinks they should ex- keep the rules the same, but extend it to 10 minutes or seven minutes, or if, if they want to take baby steps, however they want to do it. Um, Elias Pettersson certainly doesn't like the new rule. Uh, when asked about it, he said, uh, and I quote, they're making rules to try to make it harder to hang on to the puck. Well, maybe if, wait, hang on. He said, if teams, if they're so worried about teams not having possession of the puck, maybe they shouldn't lose the puck. That that's that was his reaction. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he definitely does not want the rules to change, and I get it because for teams that like do really well with possession, that that's something that you you don't really need. Like you're you're fine mm-hmm. already. In fact, the rules would mm-hmm. kind of give you a disadvantage, right? Um, yeah, it, it's I, I don't like it, or sorry, I like the way it is now. I, I do not like the rule changes. Uh, Jake, where, where do you land on that? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, I think that the shot clock is kind of a stupid idea. I just don't think it's going to work out. But there might be something to the over and back idea. I just think that, like, I don't know. I hate the idea of introducing rules that just cause more whistles. Like, I almost wish that they could. And the NHL did touch on this. Like, they don't want to add more face-offs. That was part of the, the story. Right. But if they could, I don't know, like, what do you think of a loss of possession kind of situation in hockey? Do you think that's silly? Like in three on three, like leagues, like I play in a three on three league. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when a play is blown dead or there was a, there's a whistle or whatever, the puck is just taken kind of behind the net. And then the ref blows the whistle. And then that team that gets the possession, like that gains possession, um, they just kind of take the puck out. So, oh, so it's just like know, you just start from behind your own net. Pretty much, yeah. So like oh. so okay, so let me let me just break down like an example. So let's say in an H, in an NHL overtime where there's no whistles except for goals or I guess the goal, um you would end up or penalties, I guess. You would end up Wait, let me think. Yeah. So penalties and goals are the only time that there would be a stoppage in play. Other than that, when the whistle blows, the team that has possession loses the the puck and then the defensive team has to take the puck behind their own net and the team that lost possession has to clear the zone so you can think of it like if you go offside your team that goes offside loses the puck so they give the puck to the other team right skates outside the zone and then can come back in and while they're doing that the defensive team has to take the puck behind their net and then come out with it so instead of like okay having a having a face-off teams just have to regroup and then go back at it Right. It's also a way of like making sure that like if you go offside, you don't just have to give up the puck, and then the other team just like blows by you down the other end of the yeah. end. Okay, so I mean that's I I see why in like in rec leagues for three on three that works, but I I really don't think I like watching that as yeah. much on TV. It, it the one thing it does though is it like the pace is crazy when you do that. So like obviously if there's no stoppages in play. Like there's still whistles. There's just no stoppages in play. The pace of the game is crazy because line changes become a lot more difficult. 
And when you have more line changes, you have more opportunities for odd man rushes. And odd man rushes in three on three are the most fun thing in the world to watch. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I think that like there might be something there, but making that big of a rule change is going to take some adjustment from both the players and the league itself. But for a lot of players, sorry, for the teams and the league, but I think for a lot of the players who have maybe played three on three growing up, they're already used to this, right? Or at least they have some experience with it. Yeah, yeah, that I, I see where you're coming from there. I, I do see where you're coming from. Um, now, that is just a hypothetical, so we're, we're going to move on. I've yeah. actually got kind of my own goof of the week, which I've, I've never okay. had before. And I'm going to... Okay. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this. Well, we need, we need, we need to find a, a name for this then. No, no, this will not be a recurring segment. This is just like no. one time. that Exactly, but so often we we generate names for segments that we never bring back again. So why not? Okay, fine. Let's call it Marcus's moronic moment. Thing. I don't know. Moment. Yes. Marcus's Marcus's moron. There we go. I like that. <laughs> what a goof. That's right. Welcome to Marcus's moronic moment. This is the part of the show where I talk about a player, coach, team, organization, whatever would have you I bring, bring that story up with the guys. We have a chat about it this week. Uh, the, <laughs> that's as good as I can do. Sorry, man. That's as fast as I can go. <laughs> you did a great job. You did me very proud. Thanks. Um, I'm actually torn between two because I have two that, that could both fit into this, but I'll, I'll get this one out of the way first. Um, a few people out there have started taking note of the PWHL. This is the new women's hockey league that started up mostly on the eastern side of the continent. But uh, it is now considered the premier. Entirely. Yeah, it is entirely. entirely. Yeah. I think yeah. that's mostly done for travel, I think. And I, I yeah. could see a reality yeah. where that could expand out west. And I think that would be awesome to see. However, right now it, it's on the east. But most notably, it is considered the premier. Uh, uh, actually, it might just be called the premier women's hockey league. But it, it is the yeah. highest level women's hockey in the world, to my understanding. Um. They came out with their jerseys. Like, as a league, they decided, today we reveal our jerseys. And so each team revealed their home and away jerseys. And, man, (laughs) I'll put it this way. All of them, all, I think there's six teams, I believe. And all of them are the worst jerseys I have ever seen. And I, I get that budget for them is probably not massive. They're a new league. They're still starting to get sponsors. Like, not everything's all kicked in yet. But they, I, I don't even think paid anyone. I think someone's, like, someone had, like, a nephew or something that was in, like, digital design and just copy-pasted all of them. They all just say mm-hmm. their city's name diagonally down the jersey in different colors. And it's it's awful. Uh, Jake, have you gotten a look at these yet? I have, yeah. A lot of the colors don't even make sense either. Like, I get that they're trying to, you know, go their own way and, you know, blaze new ground. I don't know. It's just the jerseys are horrendous. Like, oh, I get the budget wasn't there. But, like, man, we couldn't have done something. Like, we couldn't have even just taken, like, free clip art or stock photos and just, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. 
we couldn't have hired like the visual effects department of like a college in Maine and like just gotten something done. This is crazy to me. Yeah. That, like, and like how you got to every... think too, how, how much, how much money in revenue do leagues make just from Jersey sales alone? Right. Uh, you yeah. could see people like say what, what's a team that we always talk about that I would be willing to bet. None of us have even watched a game for, but we've talked about them because of their jerseys. Do you, do you know the team I'm thinking of Jake? Mm. You're the one who brought them up the most notably, I think. The most notably I brought them up? Yeah. I th- the I, Buffalo Sabres? No, I'm thinking of a non-NHL team. Oh. I believe it's ECHL, I think. Oh, the Orlando Solar Bears? That's exactly right. Now, I have yeah. actively looked into buying one of their jerseys, yet I have never <laughs> seen one of their games, and I don't know if I could yeah. name for you a player that's played for their organization. But those mm-hmm. jerseys are sick, and I would consider supporting them solely because of that. Now, a great pun. Did you say solely? I did. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't great even need to do pun. that. Thank you. <laughs> but the, this is yeah. just this is the opposite of that. This is something that that I look at and I'm like, wow. Like, I'm not going to lie. I probably would not have watched a lot of these games as I don't watch any hockey games really outside of the NHL. But man, if there was something that could have pulled me in, it might have been a team wearing some really cool jerseys. And not only do they not look good, but they decided, let's just put it on every single team in the league. Let's make them all have to follow this weird template. And I, I really, it, it makes me sad because that's a, that's a league that I think needs to grow. And this is the opposite of growth. This is yeah, like, it almost looks like training camp jerseys. Yeah. This is like, like Timbit's jerseys have more originality than these. Mm-hmm. And Timbit's jerseys are all the same <laughs> in case anyone d- didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. kind of my, They're like the atomic jerseys. I don't know what that that's means. what it is now. Eh? So instead of, well, I guess some kids are probably still Timbits, but for the kids that play Adam House, they're called Atomic. Oh. Adam C. And it's sponsored by McDonald's. And they put, they they spell A-T-O-M-C and the M-C is for like McDonald's. Oh, I think I have seen that actually. Okay. Okay, that I, I have seen that. But wait, am I, does Timbits do hot, am I thinking of soccer? I know Timbits does soccer. Does Timbits still do hockey? Yeah, I'm sure they do. Well, I mean, I don't know, but oh, okay. I would imagine so. Okay, I just I I put them together in my head, but now that I think about it, it was like I don't actually remember seeing like a lot of Timbits hockey jerseys. But I'm I'm sure yeah, that's not anymore. At least when we were kids, though, like I was a Timbit. Oh, okay. Okay. At least yeah. okay. So some people will still understand what I mean when I say the lack of creativity is alarming. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's one one last story that's also kind of a goof that I, I want to touch on here, and that's mm-hmm. hockey in Quebec. Now, we've talked about this a few times on the show, and of course, it's a hot topic amongst hockey fans pretty much all the time that gets revived every now and then, and it's that we want to see more hockey in Quebec at the professional level. And the NHL said, we will grant you your wish. You can have a preseason NHL game. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not a team. It's not the Nordiques resurgence or anything. But uh, you know what? It's hockey in a sold-out 18,000-seat stadium in Quebec. That's awesome, right? That might be as close as we ever get to seeing 
NHL hockey there again. And the Quebec government did something really weird. And uh, I'll, I'll run that by you. Uh, that is that they chose the LA Kings to play in their game. And people thought that this was an NHL decision, and it wasn't. The Montreal Canadiens offered to play, so I guess this the teams had some choice in this. The Montreal Canadiens not only offered to play in Quebec, but said they would do it with no government subsidies. And the Quebec government re- refused, said no thank you. Um, huh. Now, I didn't which, realize... Which I guess you should explain, that means that like the team would pay all expenses. Yeah, yeah, like the the Quebec government would have to do absolutely nothing. Just open your doors, turn the lights on, and we'll show up. That was that yeah. was basically it. They instead are having the LA Kings come up, and they're going to be paying the LA Kings $7 million. That's crazy. So, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not... I'm not a huge politics guy. I mean, I have opinions, but I don't like, I don't get into this kind of stuff. But when it comes to hockey, I, I, I can't help but ignore it. What, what possible reason is there for this? I, I can't even begin to develop an opinion on this because like those poor people, man, like, for years, all they've had is hope to have a team come back. And, like, this just kills it, in my opinion, you know? Yeah. It it, it just doesn't... It, it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I read the headline over and over again, and I'm like, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. So I read the article, and I'm like, I'm missing something. I have to be missing something. Yeah. And so far, I guess there actually hasn't been a comment. Like, they've reached out for comment from the Quebec provincial government, and they haven't got anything back. And I just, I, I could not be more confused by this. I mean, th- th- we're talking about a team that plays in that province. That would be like having a preseason game in Victoria, the Canucks saying, hey, we'll go there for free, and them saying, no. We're going to use the Minnesota Wild and the San Jose Sharks. And we're going to pay them each $10 million to do it. Yeah. Like, it, it, I, I don't, I can't wrap my head around what they were thinking with that. Sorry, that's, it was more of a rant than like a, an a opinion. No, it's okay. Thing. And like, I, it's one of those things where, I agree with you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) one of those rare times. Yeah. Like I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell you you're wrong because you're totally right. It doesn't make any sense. I think that obviously Quebec is a market that is pretty far from getting a team. Unfortunately, like it's just the sad reality. They're not getting one and they're not getting one anytime soon. And they can't even have this. Like it's, I don't know, man. It's sad. I feel bad for them. Because I think that, like, the Nordiques were so iconic. And when they moved to Colorado, not only did that team, did that city lose their team and probably lose them for good, but they also lost a championship caliber team. Yeah. You know, they won the cup the next year. Their first year in Colorado. Like, it's just, oh, man, like, 
if yeah it's just so heartbreaking i think it's one of the most heartbreaking stories in all of sport you know just so sad and like i don't know i don't know if i could even support a team if i lived in quebec city if it came back because of all the bullshit that they would have had to do to even get it back i mean you're right i don't know if i would like support the people like i don't know it's just it's a really weird situation for sure and like and to think too like if they'd kept that team for another season in quebec and they'd won their cup there i don't think they move or at least not for a much longer time i don't think they move right away i don't think you have a stanley cup champion and relocate them the next season there was a lot of politics that went into it it wasn't just um it wasn't just the money but yeah i, I get the point yeah i just it, it's too bad because it's such a big hockey market. Everyone there is so passionate, but they live too far away from the Montreal Canadiens to realistically be going to games, right? So, yeah, I guess they can pick another team to follow, but they'll never have that true, like, hometown team experience, right? And that's that's really sad for a market that big that's that passionate. Um, yeah, sorry, you got something? No, that's it. Okay. Think, uh, yeah. Yeah, that I honestly, man, that about does it for headlines. Um, we also we are definitely gonna have a long Canucks conversation after this game about what's uh, yeah all the happenings. I have not gotten any updates on the game yet, by the way. But at, at this point, I'm thinking I must have missed most of the second period. So I'll uh, I'm gonna head back on upstairs and watch that uh, pretty soon. Um, yeah. For any serious inquiries, you can always reach out to us at Vancouver Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can find us across all social media platforms like Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube. We are at Vancouver Boys Podcast. And on Twitter, we think Tyler is still running that account at Vancouver Boys underscore. Um, I will text him and I'll let you guys know if he's actually running that account or not. I think he is. Because there's still posts coming out of there, and I don't have the password. So I'm pretty sure that's on him. Um, I have a thought. Oh, yeah. We have a thought. Give us your thought, Jake. What is the unofficial start to the Christmas season? November 1st, 12th, or the day after uh, or Black Friday? Wow. Uh, none of the above. December 1st. Whoa. You're a December 1st guy? Yep, lights do not go up in November. No, sorry. The the Christmas lights at my house outside go up the last weekend of November. Every year. So then you're a, so then you're a Black Friday guy. I guess, but I don't like the last weekend. Okay, but Black Friday does not like factor into my decision. Like Black Friday could not even exist and we would still do it that way. It's more that we yeah, want to have them up for December. That's what it is. Yeah, but I think that that's a lot of people. Like, a lot of people think that that is the unofficial start to the Christmas season. Not because it's Black Friday, but because that is when the Christmas season starts. I think eventually over time it kind of became that. But it's like, typically, you know, a month before Christmas, like almost sometimes to the day, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. I think that I, I'm starting to think that the unofficial start to the Christmas season is November 12th. I mean, you you definitely would not be alone there. I think a lot of people agree with you. I'm uh, I'm just not really one of them. I'm I'm glad that you're not a November first guy because I I really do believe that 
uh, Remembrance Day is important yeah. and it, it should November be treated 1st, as its own season. Absolutely. November 1st, people are unhinged. Like how you can go from taking off your Halloween costume and putting on your Christmas hat. That's just, I don't, I, I cannot understand that. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't really make sense. And I think for Americans, it's a little bit different too, because they have Thanksgiving in November. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. like a whole nother ball game for them. But uh, yeah, exactly. for, for me personally, I guess, like you said, Black Friday, sure. But that's not really my, uh, like I said, I don't really care when Black Friday is. I just start right before December. That's all I really know. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from all of us here at Vancouver Boys Studios. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and, and we'll see you on next week's episode, which airs November 25th. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a happy holiday. <laughs> See you on the next one. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs>